Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 67th episode of Dragon Quest Slime Time, a Dragon's Den podcast. This is Liam Land. And this is the always delightful, the dastardly, and the delicious Dwayne. <laughs> you got dastardly in there this time. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit of everything. Yeah. We, Didn't we, say event. delicious, though. <laughs> yeah, you're delicious as well. Delicious Dwayne is your, uh, your um, Discord handle. Yep, yep. It uh, it started as my uh, Pokemon Go username because I didn't think I would have the account for for that long. I said, "What's just something dumb and random that I can put in?" I was like, "Oh, I'll do this," and it's stuck. So yeah, eventually you'll just have like twenty six different words starting with D and leading into Dwayne. Pretty much. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got an exciting episode planned for you today. We are honored to have an experienced and talented voice actor who starred as Daisy arguably the best and most beloved characters in the Dragon Warrior anime known as Dragon Quest Able Yusha in Japan. Uh, we'd like to welcome Marcy Goldberg to the party. Hi. I wanted to talk about why we really wanted to do this episode. So we realized it was a character that you played, you know, 30 years ago. And you admit you don't uh, remember it as much as it would have been, you know, back then. But we wanted to do this episode anyway as a tribute to um, okay. kind of re-explain the character <laughs> to you. Um, and just to talk about how important you are to this niche video game franchise fan base. I mean, Daisy is inspiring uh, to many of us, and your performance made her the most memorable character in the series. Wow, that's very uh, unbelievably gracious of you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Daisy. So Daisy's a female warrior clad in blue armor with a spiked horn helmet. She's a master of swords, and <laughs> yep. she is, um, she's a skilled and quick warrior. She's introduced when she saves the two heroes, Abel and Moko, from a bandit who was trying to rob them. After saving the two heroes, she promptly robs them. <laughs> She's introduced as the snarky warrior who's hunting down monsters for jewels that they drop when they're defeated. Uh, her quick to anger and snarky personality add a lot to the series and the camaraderie between the heroes. Uh, through the 13-episode series, we begin to see more character development and a future backstory that, will only, that was only ever really officially explored in the release of the 43 episode series run in Japan. So so here it um it aired it aired early in the morning in syndication on Saturdays, uh usually at like 6 6:30 in the morning and oh, wow. it kind of and it kind of ended abruptly. We got 13 episodes in and then it was gone and it ended on on kind of a cliffhanger. So everyone was everyone that I knew that watched it was kind of waiting for that second season and then oh, it was too gone. bad they didn't uh, at the time go, "Hey, we want more." I would have yeah. had more work for sure, huh? <laughs> exactly. We didn't have uh, we didn't have uh, the internet to just mass email everyone. That's right. And, and even then, that that's dating me a little bit. That's dating all of us. Don't worry about that. <laughs> We're here. Yeah, I I was um I think I must have been about like 11, 11 years old. I'd get up and uh, I'd get up early in the morning. I'd get up at like five in the morning, and my parents would still be asleep, so I'd just go downstairs and and watch television. Um, and that's how I stumbled upon the series. And I was like, oh, it's like the video game that I play. And I heard the music and everything. And I just, uh, I know it was only 13 episodes, but I watched that series over and over in reruns. Yep. And just oh, like, cool. oh, great. It's this episode. Oh, awesome. You know, like, and uh, the characters always stuck with me and Daisy most especially. I um, love it. That's great. It, like it ended at 13 uh, and the, the rumor, uh, Dwayne, do you want to talk about that? 
I, I don't know if that was ever yeah, actually officially. There was there was a rumor. I'm not sure how much credence there is to it, but um, it was done by Toei, which does which does a Dragon Ball and One Piece and a lot of mm-hmm. uh, a lot of uh, Akira Toriyama sort of related uh, properties. And yeah. because Saban, Akira Toriyama right? did the character designs, um, he wasn't he wasn't credited um, uh, in the in the credits in the show. And there was a rumor that he got upset about that or ensued ensued Saban at the time. But there's nothing there's I haven't found anything to really lend credence to it. Yeah, that's been the that's been the rumor for 30 years, basically. Mm-hmm. And since yeah, there's the, always something right political happening for sure. Yeah. But if he wasn't yeah. credited, that's not cool. Yeah. And I think I think what happened is just it's just it's just one of those things. It was it was on really early in the morning and it just and it just didn't have that many uh that many viewers and it was an anime show before anime was really that popular in the US mm-hmm. that's right cuz we dubbed it didn't we yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's and it's actually it's it's still a pretty darn good dub for its time right definitely and 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 you know, it had quite uh quite a few talents in it as well gary chalk and yep. uh, optimus primal yeah. Jim Burns, right? Like from yeah. Islander, the series, he was uh, the evil wizard more in it. Yeah, Gary and I are quite close. Oh, awesome! Yeah, he's a uh, yeah. Uh, he's always been. Uh, he's he's always done a lot of fun things in the Transformers community. I know he uh, he'll bounce off uh, David K every year. They'll uh, they'll do their their uh, Christmas greeting, which is always a lot David of fun. David K is another incredible. I love David K. He's just like in, and even though I am of an advanced age of uh, forty-five y- years old, whenever I hear him go "Yes," I'm like, "Oh, yay!" <laughs> You're an advanced age. I might, might as well be dead. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you, you watched the reel we put together, uh, the I best loved of Daisy. It. it actually brought a lot back to me, so that was great. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, so, so what um, did it bring in any memories or emotion back to you, back for you? And I particular? just remembered it. I just went, oh right, because it was thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. Just and you're wondering about all the yelling and screaming. I think. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll. Um, I have a couple of uh, uh, questions about that in the. Um, uh, Later on. Okay. I'll let you, you just ask me. I'll just listen. Okay. <laughs> so. Uh, so, how much uh, of Daisy's, you know, tough, tough, tomboyish and snarky personality is autobiographical, or was it entirely acting out of the character? Well, here's the thing: as an actor, you get a script and you look at it, and you know, in my training anyway, what I do is I break it down. I go, "What is the action? What does the character want?" And I sort of read it and figure that out. And I mean, obviously, we all audition, and you have to have a certain, you know, voice type. So they go with that and also can this person act? And so it all came together. And I would say that there's a part of me that's very feisty for sure, especially when I was younger. And so, yeah, it came very naturally. It wasn't like, oh, I got to, how am I going to do this? I always got a lot of characters that were a little out there, you know, a little bit, you know, especially with the anime, there's a lot of fighting and a lot of, we're trained to do it. So like Mm -hmm. I said. How does the personality come across? Is it written on the page? And they they say we want you to act a, a certain way, or is it I your mean, interpretation I can't of the what script? A, that, what, they might have said Daisy is a this or that, and mm-hmm. they give you a character description. Yeah, and then you get sides, which are just a couple of pages, 
and then mm-hmm. you audition with them and then they decide, okay, this person is right for it or not, or we like this person or we don't. Awesome. Uh, do you get to see any of the any of the artwork and that kind of that kind of helps you oh, bring out the character? That's a, a really bit? good question. That's an excellent question because there's two types of uh, things that we do. One is prelay which is you prelay your voice before you see and they animate to you. And then there's dubbing, which is already obviously already done mm-hmm. and you do it into a different language. And also they'll give you a, in, when you have your audition, they'll give you a picture of your character. Okay. Oh, that's great. I like to think about the fact that part of the character is, is you knowing what the character looks like. Yeah, oh. for sure. And as oh. soon as I saw that video you sent me, I went, oh, right. That character, I remember now. Um, so Daisy's known for her strength, her skill with the sword, and her humorous quick transition from being calm to, to angry. So what inspiration do you draw when making that transition? Um, I just basically look at the script and I go, what's going on here? Oh, now this is happening or this is happening. Okay, they're about to fight. Okay, now it's this. I just play whatever is written by the, you know, the, whoever wrote the script. Hmm. They write in the action. Awesome. And so, also so- you'll see it on screen, like they start to fight or they... You can just sort of see what's going on, too. Oh, you're watching an animatic or the full animation? You're watching your your character. Mm-hmm. When you're... See, when you do dubbing, it's just mm-hmm. you and the engineer and the video. Mm-hmm. So they have the, the fully formed animation already? Yeah, it's already there. Oh, wow. And you're not, uh, and you're not with the entire cast like a full animation production, right? No, never. Okay. I never was. No. But if you're doing prelay, like when I did an episode of like, let's say something like My Little Pony or something, you're gonna. A lot of times we're all in there together. But usually with animate with uh, dubbing, it's just one at a time. Okay. So, uh, so uh, in thinking about the uh, the tribute video and recollecting the character, what would you have liked to uh, see uh, develop for for Daisy if the series had continued? I would just say more of the same thing. And that is that's not a bad thing at all. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, considering <laughs> she was, I, I for me, she was the star of the show. Um, wow, lots of action, huh? Yeah, and and just and the fighting was a lot of fun. It's the fighting, but it's also the personality as well. Yeah, brings a lot and, and, and helps. All that fighting, you usually lose your voice at the end of it. you got to be very careful. A lot of punches <laughs> and ah, a lot of reaction, right? Nice. And it was nice how how it was it was loosely based on one of the games, but it still it still did its own thing and was able mm-hmm. to stand apart from it. And that's that was it's one of the more unique um, anime offshoots of the of the games. Definitely. I love that it made a difference. That really is really great to know that people loved it. Yeah, it had uh, it had a, it had a small but very very dedicated audience um, because because it was weird. it wasn't really wasn't advertised at all. So so everyone just kind of uh, discovered it kind of on their own in their own way. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, that's very. Yeah, and that's pretty neat. Yeah, I immediately connected with it because I had been playing the games. You know, this is like 1990, so I had at least had, uh, I think, the first two games. And you could hear the music from it. And that mm-hmm. was also a, a, kind of an, that emotional connection as well. Yeah, which um, the original uh, which the uh, original Japanese run did not have. Did not. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. We got to we got to watch the original Japanese run as well to kind of see the the entire entirety of the series. But um, 
but yeah, the music was was better in the English dub. No, way uh, way better. Yeah. So all right, so let's uh, let's talk voice acting. So uh, when did you get your start in the industry, Marcy? Okay, going back quite a while ago. Um, basically, I went to theater school, and so I was trained in stage. And I remember one time uh, as a guest artist, they brought in someone from what we have here is called CBC, Canadian mm-hmm. Broadcasting Company, and they came in, and he he was a radio drama director, and we all did it. He brought in a radio drum. We did it. And he talked to the uh, head of the school at the time and said, I think that this girl should do voiceover. So as it turned out, I started off doing radio drama. I don't know if you remember that in your time. Oh, yeah. yeah no, that's still a thing today. I mean, Doctor Is Who it? and radio okay. dramas are, are still yeah, so massively we did a lot popular. Of that. that was a yeah, lot they of have, fun. They and have a lot of podcast radio dramas now, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're so much fun to do. And I love it because... You really, it's like, you know, theater of the mind, right? Mm-hmm. You don't see the person, but you really have to imagine it. Yeah. And that's part of voice acting too, right? No one sees you. That's why your whole body is included. When I always voice act, I use my whole body just to try and act it out, even though no nice. one sees me. Yeah. Amazing. It, so even like the, the sword swings and fighting, you're, you're kind of oh, moving yes. around. Yeah I, would just, yeah, I would just swing my body around and try and get that feeling. Ah, I wish there was video footage of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, our hands and legs were flying all over the place for sure. As long as you're, you know, you gotta, you have to keep your head still so that it was still being recorded properly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots going on. You had to, you know, make sure that you're doing the technical part, the acting part. You know, like I couldn't be jumping up and down because you would hear that, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we touched on this a little bit. Uh... Uh, a little bit earlier, but if you just want to just stretch it all out, you can. Uh, sure. When you're uh, developing how uh, how a character would sound, how much of it is it is inspired by the character designs, animatics, or animation, the script, or something else entirely? I would say that a lot of it depends on the script, and the you know I, sometimes the look of the character can be deceiving, but you know it sort of matches. You kind of get the idea. Oh, it's just she's in a cat suit, or she's in a and she's got a a gun in her hand. Okay. You know, <laughs> and then I read this, I would read the script and I can tell what's going on. I read the story and you just play it out. Like, you know, you're like a trained actor would. Okay. And we also have a director, right? <laughs> so they go, okay, um, try it again this way or try it again that way. So you have lots of options and you do lots of editing. And I'm also sure have and what I'm... they call it a, a folly for your character of just you know, sounds. Right. And I'm sure with dubs too, the director will kind of like, can you, uh, can you change, change your inflection on this line a little bit to match, to match the mouth movements a little bit better. Oh yeah. Even like voiceover without that, it's very highly technical. Oh, cute. On that one word, can you uh, lift it up at the end or what's my favorite one? Gary and I laugh. Oh, put more hair on that. (laughs) (laughs) Plus I guess if, if, if the director is asking you for take after take, that probably just kind of steams you up and gets you more angry for for the, uh, you know, those takes where you have to be yelling. Well, the thing is, it depends on the director. I found that more in advertising. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I did over like a thousand radio commercials. I love it too. But they're very, very specific, especially when there's 11 people in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Can you like just take one second off that and put more hair on it? <laughs> 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 Never. 
how I yeah. understood put more hair on it. And they go, oh, great. Went, wow, okay. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> it's like God intervening or something. Yeah, that's funny. Maybe they, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know. How would you describe putting more hair on a voice? <laughs> I would say just uh, just make it make it deeper and make it more forceful. Yeah. 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 Give it a bit more. Or they'll say, you know, you, you know, your 30 second commercial or what a 60 second. Can you cut off half a, a quarter of a second? Mm-hmm. I don't know how I did it, but I did. So I loved it. It's technical and very challenging. Yeah. When there was um, someone just in that respect, it was like, take off a quarter second. Okay, put another quarter second back on, but put the hair on. That would make me crazy. <laughs> By the end of it, it was like, oh my God. Um, do, you, do you have any examples where a performance, uh, the inspiration for a performance was autobiographical? Um, well, I think that all actors use, you know, parts of themselves. I do anyway. You know that, so I would say, I would say everything I do has a little bit of me in it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so similarly, when you're voicing non-human characters, like creatures, like the slimes Chi-Chi and Coco from the Dragon Warrior series, oh, which you right. also did. That's right. When I saw those little things, I went, wait a sec, I think I did that little character that looks like a teardrop. Yeah. <laughs> that's the series mascot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I went, that thing looks familiar. <laughs> and it's still, it's still my favorite, like, kind of slime voice, because uh, people have done like like kind of like little bits of anime over um, over the years and just like they'll do like squeaky noises just like squeak toys and things like that but like that the ones from the original able anime are still my favorite oh that's cool i know there's some voiceover artists that are just like they make all sorts of sounds that where'd that come from so when you're when you're doing those non-human voice creatures like how, how do you draw the inspiration for that as an actor i just it's the same thing i go what is that thing doing? <laughs> what does it want? <laughs> is it crying? Is it laughing? Is it a friend? Is it an enemy? What is it? Mm-hmm. Well, so what is, oh, I'm I'll sorry. I'll just open my mouth and if something came out and it landed, oh, well, that's a miracle. Let's keep going. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so what is your recording process like for matching your voice with the animation in, in particular with anime? Uh, for example, are you, are you watching the, the animation and trying to match yes. the script to the mouth movements? Or is it, yeah. or is the recording yeah. usually so, just kind of matched up and sped up? No, you have yeah. to, people don't know how diff, I found that more difficult than doing prelay for sure. Because you have to do the mouth, the lip flaps and also the action and make sure it's like paint by number in a way. Cause it's already done. Is if it the tough? animation is done, I've got to do it. I've got to do it to what the action is. Okay. But if I do prelay, then the uh, animator has to draw to me what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, <clears throat> personally, I found prelay a lot. Right, right. Because then there's room for ad libbing, right? There's also room for creating your own character because mm-hmm. the, uh, when you dub, it's already done. Right. So yeah, you yeah. decided what the character. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a great, I mean, it's very uh, challenging, like for me, anyways, to be able to look. At this, you know, look at the script and then look up and make sure that I get, you know, your voice exactly right, you know, in the amount of, you know, they, they're usually beeps. It goes beep, 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 and then bang, you go in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oftentimes I'd be late <laughs> or early, depending. You know, I think they would move it around a little bit, but mostly you had to be pretty on the ball, like pretty exact. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, off the top of your head, is there is there a character you voiced in the past that you most identified with and why? Uh, oh, when I really, I think when I first started, uh, it was called uh, Camp Candy, John Candy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, it was this character named Zagu. <laughs> I remember that. Zagwalina. I was from Russia. I was Middle Eastern. It's very funny. I love I def- that. I definitely remember that, Joe. I'll have to track that down. Track yeah. it down. I was Zagwalina. Zagu. My name changed every two seconds. <laughs> yeah. What's your name? Zagwalina. But you can call me Zagu. Oh, you can call me Za. <laughs> the whole script was just, yeah, it was fun. And we mentioned uh, Gary Chalk and David Kay earlier, but uh, who are some of your favorite uh, voice actors in the industry? Um, I know a lot of them in Vancouver, put it that way. Mm-hmm. There's uh, people that are, uh, okay, there's one woman named Tabitha St. Germain. Mm-hmm. She is absolutely brilliant. She does everything. I think there's Kathleen Barr. There's a woman named Marika Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Kathy Westlock, and that's just to name a few, and Gary Chalk, Dave Kay for sure, Scott McNeil. Oh yeah, who How voiced like pretty much, just pretty much half the cast in 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 Beast Wars. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. How about you, Dwayne? Who who are some of your favorite voice actors in the industry? Oh man, like I said, I really I really do like uh, I really do like a uh, David Kay because he he always brings something different to every role he's in. And I, I always, I always really like when he goes to con- uh, conventions. And even though he gets asked the same questions over and over, he's still, he's still happy to answer them. And he's, he's still, and just, and so, um, there's a, uh, there's a toy reviewer called Jobby the Hong, and he did, uh, he did a review of Masterpiece Megatron, and, and he had, he had David K come in and say silly lines, and just the fact that he's willing. Uh, uh, to do something like that in a non-official capacity is just a lot of fun, and that's oh, and that's just I a bet you fun character. Actually, maybe if he has time, you might be able to interview him. But yeah, why not? Yeah, that'd be just great. Like... <laughs> you know what? He's he was he actually got me an incredible job. He suggested me for uh, what was it? Someone who does liners in a radio station. I'd never done it before, and they were looking for someone who had never done it. And they got me this job in L.A for a station called Jill FM. Okay. That's what what are the liners exactly? Liners are like they just int- they'll introduce the uh topics, you know, or they'll go, you know, F- 107 Jill FM. Hey. Okay. Station IDs, yeah. Cool. Nice. He's just a wonderful he's a wonderful actor and he's done inc- I think he's done the best of anyone I know. Cool. Yeah, some of my favorite voice actors in the industry, like anyone from The Simpsons or the Futurama, like Billy West. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, Tress do you know Mc... Brian, Brian Drummond? Yeah, it sounds really familiar. Mm-hmm. He's a Vancouver actor as well. He does a lot of stuff. Cool. Yeah, and Tre- Tress McNeil and Frank Welker, uh, oh, Kevin Conroy. Uh, mm-hmm. Phil Lamar. These... Phil Lamar, yeah, yeah. Maurice LaMarche. Yeah, these, oh, yeah, just... Maurice LaMarche. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot. And... There's tons, huh? Yeah, it's great because then you go back and watch those old, just old shows that you watched as a kid, and um, and you see you recognize more talent than you did mm-hmm. when you were little. And you yeah, see, like oh Rob God, Paulson and Cam and Cam Clark, especially. Yes. Yep. In Ninja Turtles, that's right, and Robotech. Oh, and Matt Hill. Mm-hmm. You know Matt Hill. He was in Ninja Turtles. I don't know what he was, but he's a really uh, raspy voice. Nicest guy on the planet, Matt Hill. You should look him up. 
Okay. And then and then there are the actors who who weren't who weren't necessarily voice actors, but they just they did like one role and you can't and you can't ever un unhear them as that. And that's and that's uh, James Avery as Shredder. Because I can't I can't watch uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air without <laughs> without, without thinking Uncle Bill is Shredder. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that uh that first Ninja Turtles episode with my son the other day and he was terrified of Shredder. He's five. But oh, still, no. I just it, it's yeah. funny because in the first episode, he is quite menacing. And then after that, he's this guy who just hires the same bumbling fools as his henchmen and they continually fail and he keeps employing them. <laughs> which is uh, like which is funny with any with any animated show back then it starts it starts out one way and then and then the complaints from the parents come in uh -huh. and That's and right. it gets kind of like dumbed down more and more but thankfully with uh with uh the dragon quest anime it's already done and they really didn't censor too much uh well they censored actually they censored quite a uh, well they censored the nudity parts of of, of I, course I don't think there was a lot of nudity in it, but I think there was but there's definitely a lot like, of, uh, yeah, definitely a lot of violence in anime, huh? That's true. Yeah. They, they did censor some of the violence down. Sure. Yeah. Some of the violence was censored down. There's also a reference to, um, uh, a puff puff, um, kind of mm -hmm. almost like a, uh, like a strip club reference, um, that they right. changed to bullfighting. Yep. Oh, there yep. you go. Uh, yeah, but uh, but Yannick still got drunk all the time, and oh yeah, he did. That surprisingly true. did not edit that out. Nope. <laughs> but I think there might have been some uh, there might have been some grabbing happening where like he would grab Daisy and she would smack him. I think they cut that out. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That did happen. So yeah, there's definitely some some like sexual stuff that they cut oh, out. Oh yeah, and, and some exactly. Violence, yeah, they cut it out. Uh, I... You asked about uh, commercial voice. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did um, about over a thousand radio commercials. Is there any that you that you remember uh, specifically? Any products? That, yeah, that Texas to... Instruments. Okay. Oh yeah, based out of Austin. Oh. Or used to anyway. <laughs> used to be anyway. That was one. Yeah, that was great because we auditioned and we found out the next day, which was fast, or that day, and it was just working with people that were so good, like they knew exactly what they wanted. So it was done like in, we did it like in 15 minutes and it was just, the people were great. And it was just a really great campaign, I thought. And something called Turkey Hill Ice Cream. Oh, I remember that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've heard of that. You used to get that at ShopRite in, okay. the, uh, in the early nineties. Yeah. There you go. There. Now you've dated me. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's crazy because like they really tried uh because i saw uh i saw and heard all the turkey hill ice cream commercials when when um when a uh, bluebell has had a very strong strong stranglehold on this state for many decades uh, we get mm. we get mostly ben and jerry's now i don't know it would be tough to find turkey hill maybe maybe it's still there but uh, i don't know That's i know i just never remember going, what seeing a name it. for ice cream mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> Is there a real and turkey? Exxon, I think we, we did Exxon, <laughs> Exxon commercials. You know, the odd time some American stuff would come up here, right? Mm -hmm. That's true. Actually, a lot started to happen once the internet came. Um, so you got a lot of jobs doing radio or voiceover for internet ads as well, you know audio what? ads? Oh, yeah. I did, a, I did a ton of those. I was always, like, working with people I had never met. But I felt like I knew them because every week I'd see them or hear them. That's what it was. Um 
what else I did? Some furniture store in um, Minnesota. I forget what it was. Sleep oh, wow. Wasn't sleep country, but it was some kind of bed shop. I totally forget now because I did it for like five years. And then they had one of those focus groups. And it was like, oh, her voice is too sexy for beds. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, hello. I've been doing it for five years. Lots of people do it in beds. Exactly. <laughs> like, hello. Uh, that's funny. Slumberland. Uh, that's what it was called, Slumberland. Anyways, I loved the people I was working with. I never met them, but I loved them. The, the directors on them were great. And when I couldn't do it anymore, I felt really sad because I really liked them. I just, there's just a lot, like a lot of local stuff here that maybe you'd never heard of. Like all the, uh, I did most of the, uh, you know, restaurant chains and things like that and certain stores. And I did a lot of narration as well. I think one of my favorite ones for narration was for William Shatner. Okay, nice, nice. Do you, yeah, do you keep copies it. of those recordings just for personal? You know what? Take? I do. I have them somewhere in storage. But they're on cassettes. But my nephew is your generation. I'm sure he could put it into, he could, you know, change it around and we could have something that's more modern. Oh, that's But cool. I have all that stuff. Yeah, I do. I have some of my radio dramas too. Nice. Yeah. But, you know, back in the day, I kept track of everything I did, but then it just became so much. Yeah, I can understand, especially with the amount of work that you've done. over. Yeah, so over the years, after a while, you just, you know... But I always kept them in a little case with my cassettes. I always said, oh, can I have a copy of that, please? And they used to always give you a little dub of it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I, mean, I, I absolutely love voiceover. I mean, because like I said, I trained to do stage. So I did stage for quite a while. And TV and film, I did, you know, some stuff. But I just preferred voiceover. Yeah. Uh, and I, used, I also taught oh. it as well. Yeah, I did, uh, I did, I did I want to ask about that. Um, yeah, I produced so, my own classes. So, so recently I had learned that, that you had suffered uh, um, a brain injury that ultimately led to a stroke somewhere around uh, 2018. Um, yeah. Now you're going through a slow recovery. Are, are you comfortable with sharing how your progress has been? Sure. If I start crying, don't worry about it. It's just, it was very If you do, I'm going to. <laughs> we can do it together then. That's good. Yeah. Um, basically what happened was I actually thought that I had, because uh, I've had migraines before. I thought it was a migraine that was not going away. So six times I was sent to this particular hospital. Like I went to emergency. Okay. They took a scan, nothing, nothing, nothing. By the end of the week, I was just, in, it was horrible. I thought my head was going to blow off my neck. And my husband went, that's it. We're going to this other hospital. It was called VGH. And we're not leaving until we find out what's wrong. And they took a scan, but it was a contrast dye scan. So it goes into the veins of your brain. And there's uh, two veins. I think one that brings the blood in and one that brings the blood out. I hope there's not a doctor listening to this. You might go, what is that girl talking about? <laughs> anyway, one of them had a clot. It turned out that they saw a blood clot. So they had to do an emergency surgery. And then oh, they wow. did the surgery and they got the clot, but then it turned into a bleed. And somewhere during... Our, and or after the surgery, I had a stroke, but not the kind of stroke you see on TV where your face is fallen and all that, and you can't speak. Mine was on the right side, so my mobility on my left side is definitely affected. And I also find I get exhausted quite fast, and certain things, like, I was always a bit of a techno so I can't blame it on this, but 
certain things are difficult for me now, but my recovery is slow, but I am so grateful that I had my stroke way before COVID started. Otherwise, I would not have gotten through without my family and friends. And I'm walking. I'm in a wheelchair still, but I'm walking with a cane and I'm starting to walk without it. So everything's awesome. moving in the right direction, but it's definitely a lot of work. Like before you called, like I'm, today's a day off from physio, but I do it at my house and somebody bought me a bike. So I use the bike and I just try to get my left side moving as much as possible. Awesome. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're getting better. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, so how, how do you feel that the injury impeded you uh, for voice acting? Well, I used to record all my stuff and I couldn't start doing that because I only have the use of my right hand. I can't use my left. Mm-hmm. I think it would make it really difficult. And you know what? I'm really okay because I feel like in terms of voiceover, I mean, I could do it forever, but I was I worked really hard to get where I was and I did a lot. So I feel fairly complete with it. I mean, I'll do it again one day, I'm sure, but just not right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before the injury, you actually taught voice acting classes that you mentioned. Uh, are you working yeah. towards a recovery goal where you'd like to start teaching again? Uh, possibly a possibility. I really enjoyed. I mean, I never worked for somebody. I produced my own. So there's a lot of uh, involved in that. And I also taught kids and adults. And so we'll see. I might, I might go back. But right now, my goal is really just to get functional as possible. Um, you know, in, 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 in this world of, uh, of, of remakes and everything where, where everything's being remade, if they ever do an, a Dragon Quest Able remake, I'd love to see you take part in that, you know, oh, yeah. in, in, in some form. And you know what? I will for you, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's so wanted... deal. I'll totally do it. Awesome. I will, I will start the campaign for that, even though there's no current news that that a, a reboot is happening <laughs> yeah it's just like they'll just like a uh shueisha will will like remake die and have and have die in the just always always around in random games and stuff but they don't they don't really do much with abel or emblem of roto or any of the other ones that they've that they have yeah uh, Maybe they feel like they got as much out of it as they could yeah well the, the fact you, i'm just happy that it really you know, gave you guys something. Yeah, definitely, and I, I, I think that we're definitely of the the minority of uh, Western Dragon Quest fans have actually seen the full series, um, and that's why well, I've almost loved... seen the full series. Uh, that's right. That's almost. right. It was the last episode was up on YouTube, and and Toei Animation pulled it right before Dwayne could watch it. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I had I had started I had started to rewatch the series because because it was it was fan subbed on on YouTube. So I I rewatched the original thirteen dubbed and it still it still holds up great. Still had still had a great time with it. And <laughs> yeah, great. I'm a freelance artist, so I'm busy doing like this and that. And I was I was watching it over a couple months. I went and visited my best friend in Washington State. Uh, decided to on the way back I. I beta tested COVID, uh, and so and so when I was all done, I was just I'm feeling good. It's like okay, I'm gonna watch the final episode over dinner. I had set it up. I brought up the YouTube channel, and suddenly it was gone. No. <laughs> all the other episodes were there. 
All of them. I hate when that happens. Except for the last one, and Toei copyright struck it, and I'm just like, why? There's the the they kept they kept the rest of them. I was like, why? This is such an amazing gut punch. (laughs) I feel I feel personally attacked. I was like, it's been 30 years. It's like uh, it's like uh, it's like Bart seeing the itchy and scratchy movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Ought to be Chief Justice of the Supreme Court in order for it to happen. Did you eventually see it? I, I think I sent it to you. You sent it to me. I haven't. I I just haven't had a chance to really to really sit down and watch it yet. I want to. I want to. We need to do that and make an episode out of it. Yeah. Laugh definitely. at my pain. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I, I did want to talk about why Daisy is so important. I mean, like to not only the older fans like ourselves who who watch the show as kids, but to those who didn't, or even the younger fans who haven't seen it yet. You know, this is the first time the Dragon Quest franchise has had a developed character who's a strong, skilled female warrior class. I mean, the anime came out um, in the U.S. between the release of Dragon Warrior 2 and 3. Uh, in Japan, it debuted two months before Dragon Quest 4, which featured Elena and Sophia, the series' first female characters who were physically strong and featured with developed backstories. Um, oh. you know, not counting the blank slate soldier warrior class from Dragon Quest 3. Um, Daisy's basically the the prototype for the aggressive, strong female fighter in the franchise, the charming, snarky personality uh, that you developed for the character is what captivates audiences for this show. Um, and Maybe it's uh, helping for... me with my recovery. Who knows? I think so. Yeah. yeah. For some, she's relatable. For some, she's inspiring. For others, both. As a serious oh, character... Really? Uh, she she is uh, the most important driving force for the hero's success. You know, just rewatching the 13 episodes, I noticed she identifies Abel's weakness with sword fighting and trains him from the ground up for how to both attack and defend himself. Without Daisy, Abel doesn't stand a chance at all. So That's right. significant backstory. She's introduced as this kind of humorously money-grubbing bounty hunter. Uh, she's tough as nails and doesn't take crap from anybody. And then in the last episode we, of the 13 series, we find out that she holds on to this childhood trauma of losing uh, her brother and sister to slavery, and whom she's looking for still. In the Japanese version, Dragon Quest Able Yusha, which features about three times as many episodes, we get more of that backstory along with more fleshed-out love story that is developing. So she eventually comes to terms as well with her rival in that love story as an ally. So there's a lot more that we never got to see, unfortunately, that could have been uh, fleshed out a little bit more. Yeah, yeah for, a, too bad. for a supporting character, she really had kind of the most the most depth and the more kind of backstory to her. Yeah. yeah like um, I said, and- I never really got to see anyone. I heard their voices, but... That's always the cool part. You go, oh, that's who's doing it. Or, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because you might not have known that you were basically being written in as the star. No, you know? not at all. And when I uh, when I first started putting up uh, Dragon Quest content on the on the internet, um, when I first started getting like a lot of a, a lot of fan art in, um, a user sent me just a ton of a ton of like really good daisy fan art and he was just he was just a big fan of the character and just like he used that he he used her to kind of expand his uh artistic skills and and yeah and yeah that was that was some of my most popular pieces back in the day were for were all all of daisy oh wow mm-hmm. amazing huh yeah which is yeah because it's 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 funny because you think you just just this like little niche show and you just kind of throw it out there because you know i found I found the character designs in a book and like, I like this and just toss it out there. See if other people would would like to see it too. And you start getting emails 
of just of just like all the different stories of of like how they found it and how much they enjoyed the show and just like the just kind of like the little the little audience was bigger than you thought it was so yeah. that's now awesome. is gary on the show he is he he is he played he played the main uh, uh the main bad guy baramos well i'll tell you if you get in touch with him i'm sure if he's available he'll mm-hmm. totally talk to you awesome yeah, I'll, we'll put together yeah. another character reel in case uh, thirty yeah, years is I'd a long to, time. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to talk to Gary Chalk. It'd be a lot of fun. He's in. Yeah, he's very gracious and he's very generous. So if he's available, he'll definitely do it. Yeah, it's like, why aren't you playing Optimus Primal in the new Transformers movie? You got Ron Perlman instead. No, no, no. Bring Gary back. <laughs> oh yeah, tell him that. Make him feel good. <laughs> I think that's actually a common complaint when they do live action and they hire. Uh, they hire professional actors to play these voiceover roles instead of voiceover talent. Yeah, and it's more or less a check a check to them, and they don't they don't really try and do anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Mario Mario's that's going on right now with Mario and uh, uh, what's his name Chris Pratt. Oh yeah, it's in the new movie. I mean, at at least Chris Pratt is trying more than Seth Rogen is. He's like <laughs> Seth Rogen as Seth Rogen. Oh great. <laughs> this <Yeah>. again <laughs> well, he's doing quite well <laughs> yeah that's true um so yeah I, I just wanted to say thank you so much for helping uh to make this both a tribute to your performance as well as the character oh thank you and thank you for reaching out and you guys are doing great and if there's anything else i can help you with let me know okay thanks yeah yeah like yeah absolutely we're just really excited to talk to you and really glad that you're able to drop by and chat for a little while well i'm yeah. really glad it worked out Thanks so much. Okay, guys, take care. Keep in touch. Bye. That's it for this episode of Slime Time. We want to thank Marcy Goldberg for joining us. And we are a nonprofit podcast. We won't we won't crowdfund or half inch your hard earned earn money when we can offer you quality content about the game series we we know and love for free. If if you do have any money that is just completely burning a hole in your pocket, pouch, bottomless bag, or treasure chest, and you would like to donate anything to a website that's been supporting Dragon Quest fans for over 20 years, stop by the Dragon's Den at www.woodus.com slash den. That's, that's W-O-O-D-U-S dot com slash den. And click on support this site. Woodus has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den DQ fan site for decades. He personally edits every YouTube version of our podcast, and he fully appreciates any donations to help keep the servers running. Uh, The Dragon's Den website also features an Amazon affiliate link. If you click the link and make a purchase, a small fraction of the sale will go to support the den, and it doesn't cost you anything. To advertise with us, reach out to us at slimetimepodcast at gmail.com. All one word. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> email addresses usually are <laughs> uh so if you have any comments or questions for the dragon quest slime time podcast you can find us on twitter and instagram at dq slime time and consider joining us in tons of dq di- discussions at the dragon's den forums one of the few remaining forums still around you can find it from the dragon's den main page or at woodus.com slash forums you can also find me and other rabid dq fans who uh, through the Dragon Questers, Infinity Strash, and Dragon Quest Hack Global Facebook groups, we promise we won't maroon you. <laughs> I think that I think that's a holdover from Pendy's pirate speak. <laughs> we just kind of left that in there and forgot to take it out. Hey, it's fine. I like it. <laughs> uh, or come hang out with us and tons of other hardcore Dragon Quest fans on the officially unofficial Dragon's Den Discord server. 
we'd like to thank everyone that made this possible, like like Woodis for his support of the series and this podcast and keeping the Dragon's Den lights on for decades. Thanks to Amanda Lepre and the Descends of Verdrick for allowing us to use their music for our podcast. Descends of Verdrick is a video game tribute band from Austin, Texas. Check them in their album Advent out at www.descendantsofverdrick.com or on Twitter at Verdrick, and check out Amanda Lepre streaming on Twitch. And a very deep and heartfelt thanks to me, the delicious <laughs> Dwayne Bullock, for the one, the wonderful graphic artist and UQ fan for making the fantastic and splendiferous artwork cover for this podcast. I was on the original iteration of Slime Time, Slime Time podcast way back when. It sounded worse than I do now, but you can check out more of my work on on Instagram at Dwayne Art. That's D W A I N E art and I'm cursed with a name nobody can spell or or swing by my store at duanebullockart.bigcartel.com yeah those those 2012 episodes uh that you did for for the original iteration of slime time uh it's it's almost heartbreaking you're like uh oh dragon quest 10 i wonder if we'll get it next year yeah just, i wonder <laughs> i wonder and, uh, just, no never <laughs> it's never going it's never going to happen we need to let uh, that i'm go. still holding a candle for next year um <laughs> that candle's gonna like, burn burn your hand i end. just get a new candle every year uh <laughs> please like subscribe and write a review for the podcast if you're looking for more dragon quest slime time check out our earlier episodes on dragon's den anchor fm apple Podcasts, audible youtube and more and check out our brothers and sisters in arms over at the slime time side quest and tactfully die podcast their latest episodes are available now all right see you later party people dragon quest slime time slamming off <laughs>